Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Matt Salem, and you have tuned in to another episode of Our Best Behavior, a podcast brought to you by Behaviorally, winner of the 2020 Market Research Podcast Award. Behaviorally, formerly PRS in Vivo USA, helps brands improve shopper and consumer experiences by defining and diagnosing the behaviors that drive shopper growth. Each month, we produce a podcast to share industry insights on trending topics designed to help you make better shopper marketing decisions. Today, we are joined by Sam Albert, Chief Digital Officer at Behaviorally, who will be talking with us about AI and its impact on the research and insights community. Welcome, Sam. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. How's it going today? It's pretty good. Pretty good. Glad good. to be here talking about some uh, AI with you. Great, great. Well, you're up from sunny Florida. Um, <laughs> for our listeners, Sam has had it much better during quarantine, being <laughs> that he had a sunny state to live in. Um, with that said, he had a quarantine a bit when he got up here, but that's okay. Yep. I'm glad to have you in New Jersey, your your true home. Yep, exactly. So talking about AI today, um, it's an exciting topic for me, something that I, I truly love to talk about. Let's start generally. I mean, why AI for behaviorally? What have you seen and heard from our clients in terms of their interest in AI and how it's going to help researchers in general augment the work of clients in the industry? Yeah. I mean, you can start more broadly, AI just in general. It's just a buzzword right now. It's hot. I mean, you want to talk about the industry, you want to talk about outside the industry and your TVs and your phones. AI in general is hot right now, but it's not just about being hot. It's about leveraging it as a, as a tool that's really going to help us make better decisions. So when you start thinking about tools, I actually take a step back and look backwards. So Let's go back about 4,500 years to the Egyptians Whoa. and building the pyramids. Yes, exactly. Building the pyramids. Pretty impressive structures, I think, by most people's standards. <laughs> One of the reasons they're so impressive is because of the tools that they were using at the time, which were apropos for what they were doing. But you fast forward for 4,500 years, the tools have changed. Now you have high rises and they're building them in... Uh, Dubai in the sand. I mean, how does how do it? It really comes down to the tools. And to me, I look at AI in the same way. It's really about having the the right tool to make things more efficient, so that you can go further, so you can go faster, so you can just do more things and come up with a better product in the end. Yeah, I love that analogy, the tool analogy, and it's it's a good one because tools evolve with time to get specific jobs done. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what you're getting at here and the, and the progression involved. So if we think about how the AI tool has evolved within the context of behaviorally, we have an AI tool that we recently just launched, Flash.ai. What makes this AI tool different from other tools that utilize AI in the industry? Well, I think there's a couple of things that we do differently. I guess first and foremost, I mean, not to be braggadocious, but I think our tool is true AI. And, and not even think I, I know our tool is true AI. Whereas a lot of other tools are really algorithms kind of posing as AI. So what do I mean by that? When you think about AI, it's really about machine learning. It's not necessarily that you have a model that you're just using. It's about the system being dynamic, right? So you have your inputting information, the machine learns from that, and it can change over time and evolve over time. That's one of the biggest differences in our system. We are leveraging machine learning. We're f using our database and information to feed the machine, and we're actually teaching the machine to think like a human. 
So think like a human, act like a human from a sense of a behavioral standpoint. And that really is probably the biggest difference kind of at a macro level. Then when you start to dig in deeper into the specific differences, RAI includes an image recognition tool. So again, why is that important? Well, when you think about humans and what the most important senses are, obviously we all want to have all of them, but sight is really the place where you're taking in the most and leveraging it to make decisions. I think the number is roughly 80% of all of our impressions are driven by sight or are come through our site. So it's really important to have an aspect in our AI that ties to that and that is leveraging, not just leveraging, but is looking at packaging in that way. So again, our tool is leveraging image recognition to basically replicate that, that site that a human would be doing. So things like breakthrough on shelf, we can, we can mirror that in the AI environment through machine learning. It, it's, it's, it's critically important for most brands to, on shelf to pop. Our AI gets at that. Different elements on pack and how they work together, which ones are most important, not important, or are driving certain impressions. The re- image recognition allows us to get at that. So that's probably number two. Speed. I mean, when people think about AI, it really Mm -hmm. comes down to being able to turn things around quickly. And this is, we're talking about not minutes, but literally getting your results in seconds from the time that you actually entered the images and get the information back or the results back. And then flexibility. Doesn't matter what kind of tests we're doing, benchmarking, looking at existing packaging, competition, innovation, restage. Our AI, Flash.AI can do it all. And then most importantly, it's grounded, and this is kind of to roll it all back and circle back to the beginning, but it's grounded in behavior. We're just trying to replicate human behavior. Human behavior is not something that is easily replicable, but our AI system basically replicates human behavior. And that's, that's really the crux of it all, if I had to sum it up. I love the different pieces of the tool we're thinking about true machine learning, the ability to incorporate image recognition, Mm -hmm. the super fast results. But the key point to me was what you summed up with at the end, that it's grounded in actual behaviors because this isn't merely programming different algorithms into a computer to see what a computer thinks. It's a computer being able to leverage tons of behaviors from humans and draw connections and connect the dots between those behaviors based upon the visual understanding and recognition of the design and how it performed in the research. So I'd like to hear a bit more about how that works, because I'm assuming it's going to link to behaviors that are captured in the behaviorally database. That's correct. Yeah. So it really all starts with the database. Our database is probably at this point about 50 years old, which doesn't make it bad because essentially we've been doing behavioral research before behavioral research was a thing. It's a hot name right now, but we've been doing our research that way and I've been collect more importantly, collecting data that way. Mm-hmm. So our data is broken up into those behavioral pieces and system one, system two pieces so that we can model or teach the machine how to essentially uh, replicate that human behavior. So that's that's kind of number one, number two. Number three is really having data that is dynamic because 
you can take a snapshot in time, which is great. It gives you the right learning for that point in time. But as we know, particularly over the past year, behavior changes and it can change pretty rapidly. And so our database is dynamic and it's being fed into the system so that our AI essentially reflects that. So it's real time AI in some respects. And that's another important feature. And probably the last thing I would point out is that it's the way we're looking at the information or the way the AI is is evaluating the packaging is through the lens of different categories. We know that categories differ, behaviors differ by category. Uh, when you think about gum or if you're buying cold medicine, one is kind of a grab and go purchase in most cases, the other is a much more considered purchase. Those behaviors are gonna change, whether it be on shelf what you're looking for and how it breaks through or whether it be the perceptions you get from those packages. So mm -hmm. that's really important that we're making sure that it's category specific so that we can, uh, we're, we're giving the right information and the information that we're giving is really predictive of what's gonna happen in that specific aisle category in store. Yeah, that's a great point on the category specificity because to your point, buying gum, buying cold medicine, two different occasions for sure, mm -hmm. not only in terms of grab and go versus perhaps a bit more thought intensive when you're shopping, but also the way you feel when you come to the exactly. shelf and in thinking about the packaging and the relative sizing of the packaging at the shelf and how everything intermixes and plays together. That brings me to a question around how this tool can be used within the context of a broader research program. I'm imagining it can be used in different ways. It could be used for perhaps screening designs early on, whether that means you're screening from 15 to 20 different designs, and there's so many that instead of sitting with your colleagues at the round table, you would wanna have some information to back it up, perhaps a narrower number of designs. Does it replace research in total? I don't know, maybe one day and something to ponder, but as of now, what are the different use cases for Flash.ai? Well, we see it as an early stage tool primarily. So it is predictive, but we think it's best used at that early stage when decisions are being made about what should go into the research. I think about it as particularly that early stage when there isn't the consumer voice involved, mm. it's a bit like gambling. So. You, you get to the get to the casino and you pull, you know sit up at the roulette table you could win but there's a lot more chance that you're <laughs> you're gonna lose so you want to make sure that you're stacking the chips in your favor and that's what basically this flashed out AI tool is doing is essentially putting the chips or stacking the chips in your favor so that you're more likely to make a good decision the other piece to me that's very important is that it's not just about at that point because what we often see is a domino effect where you may get certain things right or you may get it completely wrong but you may get certain things right which is great but other things you you miss and sometimes there is this blind spot that we as researchers or just as people have and the tool flash.ai is, is not going to have that blind spot um, sometimes there's agendas that come into play all of that stuff that's not taken into consideration here. So you can make a clean decision on what goes in. And oftentimes what we see happen is we test a lot more than what we need to in the, the follow-up quant research, which is time, money. Also, mm -hmm. 
some of the things that could be, I guess, addressed early on so that you have a stronger package going in and, and then not have to do revisions on the back end from a, from a time standpoint, even sure. on a cost standpoint, you're able to potentially eliminate the likelihood of that happening. So there's a lot of different angles to why we see it as an early stage tool and what where it could be most effective. But um, yeah, we understand that the sometimes gut instinct it happens, but we think the Flash.ai tool is a good way to minimize your risk and essentially play with house money yeah. <laughs> instead of your own. No, I like that. And thinking about it as a complementary tool in the toolkit rather than one that's supposed to serve a very specific purpose in and of itself is interesting. In other words, using it up front, perhaps if you're discussing with your team a number of designs, you may have some ideas. There may be some human element that comes into the mix, but why not have the Flash.ai tool to complement that yeah. thinking? Maybe see some of those blind spots that would have been missed, et cetera. So I love that idea. Thinking about the future of research, mm -hmm. and I made brief mention, hey, will this replace shopper-based research? Yeah. Do you see that happening? Can AI go that far? I mean, right now we're talking about it as complementary. There's obviously still a large human element involved with regard to the decision-making process once you have this data back. The yeah. flesh.ai in and of itself is completely AI, but obviously humans are taking that data and interpreting it and exactly. such. It's based on behavioral data from the normative database. Where do you see the future? Do you see AI playing an even larger role? It absolutely will play a larger role. Uh, so, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but if I were a betting man, I would say that I, I look at it as breaking down research into different parts. So I feel like AI will have a larger role in some of the things that are more predictable. So mm. the, the formulaic in nature. So breakthrough, for example, we, we know that certain types of colors pop and certain placements work. And so it's, it's much more predictable. I feel like AI will could potentially replace there. But when you start to think about human and human behavior, and the individualism that comes with being human, there's a little bit of chicken and egg there that you're always chasing. And I'm, I think AI will get, you know, significantly better and help us to, to be and be more accurate and predict more effectively. But as a pure replacement, I don't see it being a pure replacement because not only are humans going to change the environments that humans are reacting to are going to change. And so it's, I feel like there's always going to be this continual chase that's going to be happening, but Hey, if anybody's going to figure that out, it's going to be behaviorally. I can tell you that. I like that. And <laughs> I share the sentiments with you. I, I don't see it ever completely replacing, but I love the idea that specific areas of research can probably benefit it, benefit mm -hmm. from it more so. I've also put to the back of my mind a few times your gambling references because it'd be nice to have an AI tool that would help there. I mean, Sam and I have been working together a long time. We participated in many a football pool over the years and uh, just a couple more picks a week. Could have used it. Seriously, for sure. definitely could have used it. Sam, as we wrap up, I always like to get a bit more personal with our guests. For those who don't know that are listening, Sam is an expert motorcycle racer. I'm hmm. not using that term loosely. <laughs> he literally has his expert racing license. Sam, how can AI help you win a race? Oh, 
That's that's in the lab right now. We're working on that one. <laughs> okay, okay. It's, I mean, I've seen some of these uh, attachments that you have for your bike. It's pretty crazy. I mean, you're like GPSing the whole track. Yeah. You have a lot of data that you're collecting. I mean, I've seen it. You've showed me probably the tip of the iceberg. So I'm thinking there's got to be some AI in some uh, of that data. Trust me, I'll be the first one beta testing for, for sure <laughs> when the time comes. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, Sam, thanks a lot for the conversation today around AI, around Flash.ai at Behaviorally. Really enjoyed it on my end. Appreciate you taking time out of the day to come on. And we'll catch you next time here on Our Best Behavior. Yeah, no, I appreciate the invite. It's great talking to you. And uh Look out for Flash.ai. It's really a game changer.